This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Whistler was a radio series that debuted on CBS Radio May 16th of 1942. And the show centered on a character called The Whistler, the mysterious narrator of various murder stories. The role was given to popular radio announcer Bill Foreman, although there were occasions where the other personalities like Marvin Miller, Bill Johnston, Gail Gordon, Everett Clark, and Joseph Kearns took over. Despite the show being broadcast on the West Coast only, The Whistler was really uh, one of the most popular and longest-running crime mystery dramas. It ended September 22nd of 1955. A wealthy doctor, this is now the show I'm going to describe to you, Malice is the title of the show, a wealthy doctor has two sons. One of them wants to be a doctor. The other definitely doesn't. They both meet up with a girl from the wrong side of the tracks. The tale of the disapproving father, the eminent Dr. Jacob Benton, who has a burning desire to see his son follow him into a medical career as a surgeon, but his wayward son has other ideas. Will Dr. Benton stop at nothing to prevent his son having a relationship with downtown Rita? Let's find out. Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of the Whistler? Nita, what is it? What's wrong with you? I don't know. All of a sudden, I, I got a terrible feeling. A horrible feeling of, of foreboding. I'm frightened, Tom. Another Sunday night, and again, CBS presents The Whistler. I, the whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the unusual story of malice. Dr. Jacob Benton is the wealthiest citizen in a certain upstate county, as well as its most prominent physician and surgeon. Jacob Benton is a proud individual, proud of the fact that he comes from a long line of highly successful surgeons, and his greatest ambition is that his son, Tom, will follow in his footsteps and carry on the family tradition. Jacob has also a nephew, Harvey, son of Jacob's scapegoat brother who married a girl from the wrong side of the town and finally disappeared, leaving Jacob to take care of his young son. After finishing high school, Tom and Harvey entered medical school. 
Harvey followed through and is to graduate next week. But Jacob's son, Tom, at the end of his third year, wandered over to the East Bottoms at the lower end of town and uh, met a girl, lost interest in medicine, and refused to go back to school. Tom. Tom. Yes, Father? Come into the library. What do you want? Where have you been? It's two in the morning. Why, I've been to a party. Where? A house party. On the other side of town? Yes. In the East Bottoms. You've seen that girl, that Nita, again, haven't you? Yes. What of it? What of it? You're a disgrace to the name of Benton. I've told you time and again that you don't belong over there. I like Nita because she's honest and genuine. She's not filled with a lot of silly ideas like Eloise. Eloise is a fine girl. She belongs to an excellent family. Oh, boss, Eloise is a phony. Nita's a real fellow. If you become serious about this girl, you'll be ostracized. I know. I know all about poor Uncle George. He went over to the East Bottoms and met a girl and went to the dogs. But it wasn't the girl. He was no good in the first place. He was a stubborn fool, just like you. I resent being told who and when and where. Are you in love with this girl? Yes. I'm terribly disappointed in you, Tom. I'd hoped, I'd prayed that you'd become a surgeon. I don't like medicine. You were wrapped up in your studies until you met this girl. That's what you think. I'm ashamed of you. Your cousin Harvey came from the lower end of town. I made him see the light. And then think of it. You about face and walk right into it. You quit school and he graduates next week. All right, his name's Benton, too. Let him carry on. He likes medicine. It bores me. This girl has made a fool of you. Oh, I could kill her. I think I'd better go to bed. Good night. Good night, young idiot. He's going to finish school if I have to... What's all the racket about down here? Oh, uh, come in, Harvey. I... I heard voices. Yes, it was Tom. He's been to a party across town. Been out with that cheap girl again, that Nita. Are you sure? He admitted it. Says he's in love with her. Tossing his career to the winds over a woman like that. How long has he been seeing her? Several months, I suppose. That's why he wouldn't go back to school. All she's after is his money. How he ever met up with her, I'll never know. I'm afraid I'm the cause of that, Uncle Jacob. You? What do you mean? Well, when, when I was home last summer... I went over there one evening, several evenings, in fact. Tom insisted on going along. I wanted to see some of the kids. I went to school with Nita and, well, I introduced them. Well, of all things, you were born over there, and if you insisted on going back, it was your own business. But Tom is my son. You knew how I felt about it. You had no right to take him over there. I realize that now. Something's got to be done about it at once. Yes, but what? I'll put an end to it. Believe me, I'll find a way and I'll stop at nothing. For the remainder of the night, Jacob sits in the library studying the problem of what to do about Tom. And upstairs, young Harvey paces to and fro, pondering over the same question. The next morning, Harvey goes to the lower end of town to visit Nita. Hello, Nita. Harvey! Well, I didn't know you were back in town. You didn't? I came home last night. I'm going back in a few days for graduation exercises. Have you missed me, Nita? Why? Why, yes. Why haven't you written me in the last month or so? Well, I'm, I've been busy. Been across town lately? No, why should I? <laughs> you know... It's a strange thing about this section called the East Bottoms. It means more than just a, a place. It's a huge barrier, an insurmountable obstacle. 
I was born over here, same as you. But I got an idea that I could cross over, and in time I'd be accepted as one of them. But I finally realized that I would never be accepted. I'd only be tolerated. I'd never be able to practice medicine over there. I think that's all imagination. I told you I had definitely decided to come back here and settle down. That's why I asked you to marry me. I'm not satisfied here. Since when? I've never been satisfied here. You belong here, Nita. You'll never be able to cross over. You'd be miserable. I know. Maybe. And Tom would never last over here. He'd wash up, just as my father did. What are you talking about? I know what's happened. You're throwing me over for Tom. What? You're after Tom because you think he'll take you out of this. Set you up on the other side. Well, he won't. You'll have to come over here, and he won't have a dime. You're not really in love with Tom. I am in love with him, and he loves it me. Won't last a month. I'll make it last. Oh, don't be a fool, Nita. Tom's father thinks you're a, a good for nothing, and he'll never change. I don't care. I love Tom. And when it came to a showdown, Tom would walk out on I'm you. I'm going to marry him. I've made up my mind. Then there's nothing more I can say. Goodbye, Nita. Goodbye. <laughs> That evening, Dr. Jacob comes to a decision, and he too crosses town and makes his way to Nita's apartment. Well, what do you want to talk about, Dr. Benton? About my son, Tom. I see. How long have you known him? Oh, since last summer. Have you seen him often? Yes, several times a week for the last two months. You think you're in love with him? I don't think. I know I am. I don't think he's in love with you. He's merely infatuated. You're interested in his position, his money. You can think whatever you like. I'm familiar with your type. My... my type? What's the matter with me? Are you aware of what you're doing to my son? I've done nothing, nothing at all. You've caused him to drop his career. Tom has a tradition to fulfill. He comes from a fine family. And I won't have him throw it all to the wind because of a silly infatuation. It isn't an infatuation. He must marry someone in his own class. Someone who'll inspire him to carry on his career. I didn't talk him out of his career. He says he doesn't like medicine. The right girl wouldn't allow him to stray. She would encourage him to follow through. The right girl. Family. Tradition. It's all a lot of bosh. Everybody in this town has made up his mind that the East Bottoms mean the difference between somebody and nobody. Well, I haven't. I'm made of the same stuff as you or Tom or anybody else over there. I have a right to a decent existence. If it's money you want, I'll give you money to let him alone. I'll give you a lot more than you'll ever get from Tom if you marry him. Money? You... You'd pay me to give him up? Yes. Here. Here's a check for $5,000. $5,000? Is that all your son is worth to you? $5,000? If he were my son, and I thought I could buy his future, I'd give every cent I had. What? You mean you want more than that? Dr. Benton... You don't possess enough money to buy me off. I don't want money. Well, what goes on here? Hello, Tom. You came just in time. What are you doing here, Father? What do you suppose? What's he been saying, Nita? He just gave me this check for $5,000. For what? To let you alone, so you can continue your career. What? He thinks I'm wrecking your life. He is. That settles it. We'll get married tonight. You won't get married tonight. Not in this state. We'll fly over to the island. That's in another state. They don't have the three-day law. Get your things, Nita. If you marry this girl, I'll never give you another cent. I'll get along. Come on, Nita. Tom, I'll stop at nothing to break this up. 
I promise you'll regret this moment so long as you live. Let's go, Nita. So Tom and Nita rush out of the house and drive to the airport just outside of town. A storm has come up. The highway glistens in the beam of the headlights. This rain is certainly like a cloudburst. Maybe we shouldn't fly over tonight, Tom. Why not? I don't like to fly in a storm. How, how can you tell where to land? Oh, don't worry about that. I'm familiar with the field. Who's on the island at this time of year? Well, not many people. We've had the summer place there as long as I can remember. There's an old fellow and his wife who look after most of the places. He's also a justice of the peace. He can marry us. We'll spend the night at our place, and then we'll go someplace else tomorrow. Tom, are you sure you want to go through with this? Certainly. Why do you ask? Your father meant what he said. Is it... Is it worth it? To give up everything? You're worth a dozen family fortunes. But, but now that I think about it, it... It... Well, he sort of frightened me. <laughs> he didn't frighten me. Well, the way he said it made... My children up my spine. Said what? You'll regret this moment so long as you live. Oh, he was just bluffing. But somehow, I... I don't think he was. He can cut me off, but we'll get along. Tom, why don't you finish your studies? I told you, darling. I don't like medicine, and I never will. Why should I do something I dislike just because my father and my great-great-grandfathers liked it? Well, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. But I'll find something. Tom? Yes? What is it? <laughs> Nita. What is it? What's wrong with you? Oh, I, I don't know. All of a sudden, I've got a terrible feeling. A feeling of... of foreboding. Snap out of it, Nita. This isn't like you. I know, but I can't help it. I'm frightened. Of what? I don't know, but I am. Oh, tell me, turn back. Let's wait, please. Oh, no, you can't back out now. We're going through with this. But he meant it. Your father meant what he said. I know he did. Please turn back. I wouldn't turn back for all the money in the world. <laughs> I don't need lights to land. We should have come in a boat. No, it's too choppy for a boat. This is the only way in weather like this. Tom, there, I see a light. Just went on. Yeah? Old Jenkins probably heard it. The, the light is swinging. Yeah, that's it. That's the field. It's a tiny one, but I can make it. There's a light. Yeah. We're all right now. Hang on. I'm going to set her down. I don't know yet. Good thing it didn't catch fire. Oh, who are they? No, no. Hold the lantern down here. It's a woman. Yeah, I don't recognize it. Hey, hey, this is young Tom Benton. Oh, the girl is hurt bad. Look at her legs. They must be broken. Yeah. Come along. We can get them over to the house. Phone Doc Benton. Hello? 
this Dr. Benton's home? Uh, this is Jenkins over on the island. Is Dr. Benton there? Oh, is that you, Harvey? Well, you better find Doc and get him over here right away. It's young Tom. He tried to land his plane and hit some trees. Uh, I don't think Tom is hurt so bad, but the girl has smashed up something terrible. I don't know who she is. Yeah. Goodbye. Well, it didn't take you long to get here, Harvey. We've got him over at our place. How in the world did Tom hit those trees? I had no trouble seeing the field. The lights weren't on when Tom came in. Didn't even hear his motor until it was too late. He should have phoned me. He was coming. Hey, where's Doc Benton? He was out on the case. He left his patient's house, so I, I left a message telling him I was going ahead and to come as quickly as possible. I brought some medical supplies. Here we are. Tom's over there on the couch. They put the girl in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Phew. Few cuts on him. Don't think he has any broken bones. Oh, nasty bump on the head. Maybe a slight concussion. Well, I better have a look at the girl. Looks to me like both her legs are broken. Nita. Poor kid. You know who she is? Yes. Yes, I know who she is. Uh, Was I right about her legs? Yes. Both rather badly smashed up. Where were they going on a night like this? I imagine they came over here to get you to marry them. Marry them? Well, I'll be darned. I wonder why they didn't phone me first. They were in too much of a hurry, I suppose. Too bad. She's in a very critical condition. Extreme shock. Better get some hot water and plenty of blankets. Yeah, right away. Get the house as warm as possible and put more blankets on Tom. I'll be right back. Martha? Uh, yes? How is she? Harvey says she's in bad shape. Gather up all the bedclothes and coats you can. Got to cover them up good. Put on plenty of water to heat. I'll build up the fire. Outside, the storm rages on. Harvey sits quietly beside Nita's bed, staring at her in a daze. Her breathing becomes shallow. A quarter of an hour passes. Then a plane motor is heard overhead. The ship sets down, and Dr. Jacob hurries to the house. Tom's over there, Doc. Tom. Tom. He's been unconscious ever since we brought him in. Can't find any fractures. He's got an awful wallop on his head. Yes. I see. Hmm. No apparent concussion. He'll be all right in a short while. Um, get some pillows. Raise his feet. I want his head, Laura. I'll get them. You've certainly got it hot in here. Yeah. And Harvey had us do that because of the girl. She's pretty bad. Girl? Where is the girl? Oh, in the bedroom there. Harvey's in there. Um, I'll have a look at her. Harvey. Harvey. Huh? Oh. Hello, Uncle. 
What's the matter with you? Uh, I just... Are you crying? No, no, I... I, I'm just... This is a miserable mess. Fine example of a doctor you are. You have to learn to be completely impersonal about these things. Oh, I know. What do you say is wrong with her? Uh, Both legs are broken. She's suffering from extreme shock. Uh Uh-huh. Better take your bag. Go out there and give Tom a shot of adrenaline. I'll attend to the girl. Yes, sir. Harvey gives Tom the adrenaline and proceeds to attend to the cuts and bruises. Then he moves to the fireplace and sits staring into the blaze. The storm rages on. And the minutes drag slowly along. Ten, twenty, thirty. Then Dr. Jacob steps out of the bedroom. Harvey. Yes, sir? Has Tom come out of it yet? Not yet. But he shows improvement. He'll be all right in a little while. I see. Jenkins. Yes, Doc? Get us something to make a pallet. We'll carry him down to the plane and take him over to the hospital. Sure, right away. I'll get four poles and some rope. I'll have two made in a jiffy. Never mind two. Just one. The girl is dead. Then on the following day, Tom has fully recovered. Gradually, the events of the preceding hours begin to pass before him. The argument, the island, the plane, Nita, Nita screaming, and then the crash, and then Nita, Nita, where is Nita? Tom sends for his father, but Jacob is already standing in the shadows of the room. How do you feel, Tom? Nita, is Nita all right? Now, take it easy, Tom, don't get excited. Where is Nita? Forget about Nita for the moment. You've been pretty badly banged up. A little more and you'd have had a real concussion. What about Nita? If you insisted on flying to the island, why didn't you phone Jenkins to turn on the lights? He heard my motor. We were in a hurry. Besides, I saw the lights. Jenkins said he didn't turn them on at all. Didn't hear you till just before you crashed. That's ridiculous. Where have you got Nita? Nita is at the undertaker's. She... What? She's dead. Lord, was she... Did it happen in the crash? No, she died about half an hour after I got there. Were you on the island? Yes, Jenkins found you and called the house. I was out on a case and got to the island too late to save her. What was the cause? Her legs were broken. She died from extreme shock. Was there nothing you could do? Nothing. Did you try? I resent that inference. You should know better than that. I'd rather have had anybody in the world there than you. Do you know what you're talking about? Yes, I do. You hated her. You didn't give her half a chance. Will you shut up and stop yelling? What did you give her? I gave her adrenaline. It was probably water. I've heard enough out of you. When you come to your senses, I'll consider talking to you. Good day. Now, Tom... His mind filled with suspicion, his heart burning with hatred, throws on his clothes, dashes out of the hospital and goes to the island. He reviews the whole situation with Jenkins. Each incident from the time he first heard the plane motor to the moment they took him to the hospital. Tom returns to town, arranges for an autopsy, 
and is now talking to the autopsy surgeon. Well, Dr. Groberg, how about it? What's your report? Well, both legs were fractured, but there was no compound fracture. There were several minor lacerations about the body and a head contusion. Nothing there that would have caused death? No, no, nothing. What else did you find? Any evidence of... of poison? No, none. She was suffering from shock? Oh, naturally. But uh, not extreme shock. Then, then she didn't die from shock. Death from shock would have been prevented by the adrenaline administered. Then you found adrenaline present? Yes. That is what I can't understand. What do you mean? Well, one of the most difficult things to diagnose is the difference between extreme shock and internal hemorrhage. There was internal hemorrhage? Certainly. And this one was one of the easiest to diagnose I've ever seen. As you well know, adrenaline in internal hemorrhage is absolutely contraindicated. In other words, you think her death was caused by the administration of adrenaline? I do, definitely. But those things happen sometimes, regardless of how hard we try. Yes. Well, thanks, Doctor. I'll see you later. you finally come to your senses? Yes. Yes, I have. I'd like to have a little talk with you. Very well. What about? I've been doing a little investigating. Investigating? Now, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Nita. Are you going to start on that again? I am. And I'm going to follow it to a conclusion. I don't want to have anything more to do with it. But I do. I've had a hard day, and I don't care to listen to any more of your idiotic babblings. How would you like to have the grand old name of Benton? The untarnished reputation of your long line of surgeons blasted to a thousand pieces. What are you talking about? How would you like to have it known that you, the eminent Dr. Benton, the trusted, the revered Dr. Jacob Benton, deliberately and with malice of forethought, caused the death of a girl? How would you like that? You're insane, positively mad. Oh, no, I'm not. I've gone back over the whole thing. I know you hated Nita. You said I'd regret the day so long as I lived. You threatened to do something and you did. At your first opportunity. You are crazy. You did everything to separate us. You tried to buy her off. When that didn't work, you killed her. Get out of here. Leave this house. You didn't just let her die. You killed her, murdered her. Get out. I know what I'm talking about. I had an autopsy performed. You what? An autopsy. Go on. She didn't die of shock. What then? She died of a very obvious internal hemorrhage, aggravated by adrenaline, which is contraindicated. You're a specialist in that line. You couldn't have made that mistake in a thousand years. But I was positive it was a shock. You knew what it was. No, I, I must have been wrought up. I, I could have made that one wrong diagnosis that happens once in a thousand times. Oh, no, I saw the body. I could tell with as little medical experience as I've had. Tom, you, you mustn't say anything further about this. Why not? It would ruin my reputation. Oh, if... now you're worried about your reputation. What's that compared to the girl I love? Oh, but Tom, listen to me, please. Good night. Wait a minute. Wait, Tom. Well, what do you want, Harley? I heard you. I heard every word. So what? I can't let it go on like this. I can't let you do this to your father. What's it to you? You keep out of no, it. No, Tom, now listen. You're wrong. I know what I'm talking about. Nita was murdered and I can prove it. Your father had nothing to do with it. Harvey, that's enough. Leave us alone. I won't. I can't stand by quietly and see this happen to you. I won't. Leave this room, Harvey. Don't say another word. Now, wait a minute. What are you trying to say, Harvey? I did it. Your father's trying to cover up for me. What do you mean? He wants to save my future reputation. If it got out, it, it would be a blot against me. What would be? When Jenkins called, your father was out. He told me what had happened. I left a note for your father, took an emergency bag, and flew to the island in... in hopes I could do something. Go on. I... I thought Nita was suffering from shock. 
I, I was terribly upset because... Because I was in love with her. So I gave her adrenaline. I wasn't experienced enough to recognize symptoms of hemorrhage. Is that the truth? Yes, now that he's told it, there's nothing I can do. I knew in an instant it was hemorrhage. When I saw the adrenaline vial, I knew what a terrible mistake he'd made. He was emotionally upset over the girl, and I wanted to give him a chance. It was done. I tried my best to pull her through, but it was too late. I... I'm sorry, Tom. Terribly sorry. Harvey guiltily leaves the library and goes up the stairs to his room. Tom stands staring at Jacob, then drops into a chair and begins to sob softly. A few minutes pass, then... A shot. Tom and his father leap to their feet, rush up the stairs and into Harvey's room. Harvey is sprawled dead over the desk, a gun in his hand. And on the desk, a note addressed to Tom. Read it, Tom. Dear Tom, I can't stand it any longer. It's been driving me crazy from the moment I did it. Nita's face is before me every second of the day and night. I was in... In love with her. But when she ran away with you, I lost my reason. I imagined she'd be better off dead. I was filled with hatred. I knew she was suffering from hemorrhage. But I gave her the adrenaline in a bit of revenge. Now it's driving me mad. Forgive me. Harvey. Well, that's the end. Another case of jealousy... Another example of the futility of allowing oneself to become a victim of the green-eyed monster, jealousy. CBS has presented The Whistler. Original music for this production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler is written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and originates from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next Sunday, 9.15... I, The Whistler, will return to tell you another unusual tale. <laughs> Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for the Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Willie Lump Lump, Junior, the Mean Widow Kid, or any other of a dozen crazy characters, which one will inhabit the body of Red Skelton tonight? Let's find out as we go to the episode entitled Big Business Venture. If your worst day becomes a chore, try new tide and worry no more. Let's <laughs> start from Hollywood, Procter & Gamble's Tide, the wash day miracle that gives you the cleanest clothes in town, proudly presents the Red Skelton Show. Dave Rose, 
Rose, his orchestra, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and Dick Ryan will be me, Rod O'Connor. From the Skelton Scrapbook of Satire, a story entitled The Big Business Venture, and it stars Red Skelton. Hello? Hello, Rod. This is Red. I've got a terrific idea I want to talk to you about, so I'll be right over. Okay, Red. Don't go away. I thought I'd never get here. Come, you drove your car over here. You only live next door. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to waste time phoning for a cab, you know. Skelton, what are you so excited about? Well, Rod, I'm going to let you in on some little money, boy. Mm-hmm. How about you and me going in business together? Well, we're in business together now on radio. Oh, yeah. Or did Procter & Gamble find that loophole in your contract? <laughs> Please don't put ideas like that in their head. <laughs> Television is just around the corner <laughs> tapping us on the shoulder. Don't do that. Well, what sort of business did you want to go into? I don't know. Let's pick up something. Everybody's trying to sell these days. Now, we'll just look through the morning paper and see what we can find. Okay, let's look through the want ad section. Okay. Hey, get a load of this item in the personal column. Young man with pet skunk would like to meet young lady with airwick. <laughs> Object tradesies. No, no. I said that. Huh? <laughs> I knew that joke would stink. I didn't want to leave it in there. You're making me self-conscious. Oh, what, the airway? (laughs) Hey, how about this one? (laughs) Read that, will you? Go ahead. (laughs) No, mine just laid an egg. I'm not going to lay two in a row. Read it. Go on. Read it. For sale, rabbit ranch. Stock includes two rabbits and adding machines. Give it to you now. Hey, this one looks good. What is it? High class restaurant in exclusive neighborhood. Oh. Owner must sell because of ill health. Oh, he's probably been eating his own food, huh? <laughs> but what will we do with a restaurant? Oh, I don't know. I love to cook. Remember the birthday cake I baked for you? I sure do. The only part I could eat was the candles. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be glad when Edna gets back. Okay. <laughs> you got all the jokes. <laughs> Uh, well, my cake wasn't too bad. CBS is going to use it for the cornerstone of the new television studio. <laughs> hey, come on. Let's go take a look at this restaurant. Huh? It'll be a good investment. All right, but I'm only doing it for one reason. Yeah, if you say no, it's going to be an awful short show. <laughs> come on, look. By the time we should get there, Dave Rosney's orchestra will have played Be My Love.
Say, this sure is an exclusive neighborhood. There's not a soul around. <laughs> Say, this looks like the restaurant that's for sale. Yeah. Gee, what a hole in the wall. You ain't kidding. What, many a mouse has found a home, man. <laughs> what do you say? Let's go in and talk to the owner. Okay. Come on, boy. <laughs> boy, those cobwebs over the door are really strong. <laughs> this is the place we're going to buy, huh? Yeah. Business must be booming. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, well, come right in, fellas. What can I do for you? You're not hiding out from the place, are you? We'd like to hide out from this place, yeah. <laughs> No, we're not hiding from the police. Can't figure out what you're doing in this dump, you bill collectors. No. You're not looking for a handout? No, no, we got plenty of money. Show them, Rod. Oh, no, it's too much trouble. I'd have to take off my girdle to get them my money bill. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got money, huh? Oh, yes, yes. Business must not be too good. You know, there isn't a soul in here. Yeah, but you should see it at lunchtime. Oh? Yeah, it's worse. <laughs> take dinner time, that's when the place is crowded. Oh? The only trouble is, they're all my relatives and they eat off the cup. <laughs> well, that saves on plates anyhow, don't it? <laughs> I used to do pretty good business before they put that new highway out in front. Oh? Now you see the cars never go past here slower than 55 miles an hour. Really? You mean nobody ever stops? Only when they have a nasty accident. So we don't know who wrote this. Somebody just slid it under the door and we're reading. Well, then I sell keep the... Keep punching, boy. Keep punching. <laughs> then I sell the victims a few hamburgers while they're waiting for the ambulance. Oh? If it wasn't for them women drivers, I'd go broke. <laughs> well, I'm glad you told us this place is not doing any business. We came in to buy it. Oh, did I understand you to say you're interested in buying this gold mine? Yeah. Gold mine? You just told us that you were... It's a flop. Oh, now, look. Please do me a favor. What? Buy the business before I become a millionaire. You see, I hate to pay taxes. Oh. Well, uh... <laughs> you read like you hate to get laughs, too. <laughs> what do you want for the joint? Five thousand wouldn't buy it. I'm one of the five thousand. <laughs> I mean money. Oh, well, I wouldn't pay more than 50 bucks for it. Well, that's close enough. <laughs> here's the key. Well, well, here's my 25 bucks. Come on, Rod, give him your 25. Sure. Thank you, gents. I give you the business. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> top of the morning to you. Huh? I say top of the morning to you. The bottom of the deck to you, too. <laughs> well, Skelton... <laughs> Sounds like somebody that was late for Father Carney's parish this morning. <laughs> We're in the restaurant business. Yeah. Uh, now what'll we do? Well, let, let's go out someplace and have lunch. <laughs> hey, Red. Huh? Look out in the front there. What's that? Isn't that Trigger Happy McGee and the racketeer getting yeah. out of his car? Yeah, boy, they say he's tough, too. Yeah. I heard that when he was born, the doctor slapped him on the back. He drew out a twenty-two from his diaper and shot him. <laughs> Uh-oh, he's coming in here. Get behind the counter. Look busy. Get under the counter. Be better. He slammed the door so hard he broke the glass. Yeah, great sense of humor. Hey, Twinkle Toes. Huh? How about a Demitasty? A Demitasty? Well, I'm sorry. We don't serve hard liquor in here. Look, comic. 
A Dumatasty is a digest version of a cup of coffee. Now, let's have some. Oh, a cup of coffee. Coming right up, sir. Yes, sir. A cup of coffee. Yes, sir. Dumatasty. <laughs> How about a little cream? <laughs> Nothing stingy about this place. How about, how about sugar? Yeah, one lump. One lump, coming up. <laughs> it's an awful deep cup, believe me. <laughs> now, make yourself right home and drink your dimitessi. If it's all the same with you, blabbermouth, hmm? I'm going to make myself comfy and put my artillery on the counter. Yeah. Been out playing trick or treat? <laughs> Don't let him scare you, Red. He's only bluffing with that tough talk. Yeah, I'm only bluffing with these goose pimples, too. <laughs> I bought a spoon, big mouth. Yeah, a spoon. Yes, sir. Coming right up. There you are. Quit stalling and hand it over. You could wait till I let go of it, couldn't you? <laughs> Come over here a minute, skeleton. I can... <laughs> The name's Skelton. I am referring to your future. So, what is it you want? Well, that cup of coffee was good. A little bit chewy. <laughs> just the way I like it. Yeah, well, I'd pour you another cup, but this is only a half-hour show. <laughs> All right, I'll step around some other time. Goodbye, huh? He broke that window a while ago as he walked in, remember? <laughs> Turn pages, boy. Catch up with it. <laughs> hey, Red. Huh? We better clean this place up before the customers start coming in. Yeah, you, you, you put a new glass in that door. Yeah? <laughs> and I'll dust off some of these pies so they won't look so stale. <laughs> Say, uh, we need a short order, Cook. Yeah. I'm going to put a sign on the window. Maybe that'll get one in. That's a good idea. Now, there's a lot of work to be done around here, and I don't intend just standing around. So if you want me, I'll be out in the kitchen taking a nap. <laughs> well, don't strain yourself. Oh, there's a guy looking at that help-wanted sign I put in the window. It's that punch-drunk fighter, Cauliflower McPug. It's always hearing bells and birds. No, night blinking on him. Why night blinking? <laughs> hey, you want to have a door put on that, that door now? You want to have a bell put on that door? Yeah. You put a, put a bell on that door, and you could tell when people were coming in, get smart, boy. Get a bell on that door. <laughs> Listen. Listen. There is a bell on that door. Uh, didn't you hear it ring when you came in? When you a wine guy or something? <laughs> you know I didn't hear no bell. What do you think I am? Punky or something? <laughs> what do you want in here? A pet store? One of them parakeets are noisy, ain't <laughs> Cauliflower, for your information, this is a restaurant. Well, from what I hear, you're catering to nothing but birds. <laughs> Why don't you wait on them canaries? They're thinking for the tougher, you know. I saw you looking at that sign in the window. Is yeah. that what you came in here about? Yeah, that's what I came in here about. That sign in the window. Oh. <laughs> now, tell me, uh, how long has your clearance sale been going on? Look, the sign doesn't say anything about a clearance sale. It oh, says, short order, cook wanted. Can't you read? Sure, I can read. I can read reading, but I can't read writing. <laughs> and that writing is wrote rotten. Believe me. 
grab an apple for the teacher the school bell just rung. How punchy can you get? What's that? I said, how punchy can you get? Well, that's pretty hard to tell. I'm rather young yet, you know. <laughs> hey, you need a cook in this joint, huh? How about hiring me, huh? How about hiring me? Hmm? What do you know about cooking? Well, uh, for three years I was on KB in the Army. I used to cook the food for the whole regiment, and they loved it. They just loved my cooking, you know. <laughs> I was the pride of the canine corps. <laughs> The canine corps? Yes. What were you, a dog face? I was a dog... Oh, that's you. <laughs> that's you. Didn't get much of a lab when it's you. Uh, why do you want to work here? Aren't you fighting anymore? I fight a couple of nights a week, it's a bono. Well, then you'll want two nights a week off. Oh, no, no. Just two minutes. You see, my bouts, I get them over with in a hurry. <laughs> I speed up my... Oh, stop that, will you? What's the matter with you? Oh. What's the matter with oh, you? Oh, some guys always tap me on the shoulder, but when I turn around, he's never there. <laughs> tell me something after you have a fight. Uh, will you feel like working? Believe me, I won't feel anything. <laughs> One thing about me, I always come out after a fight in the same condition I go in, unconscious, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I would... Boy, a flock of them flew over that time. <laughs> my fight last week. I was fighting Jim Harkins. He over in Burbank. Uh-huh. And the way he came after me, why, you'd think he was trying to drum up business for a Montgomery. For a what? For a mortuary. I can't breathe down the back of my neck now. <laughs> Boy, I hit that, that canvas and I bounced for about five minutes. I mm-hmm. My manager had to dribble me back to the dressing room. Well, no wonder you walk around on your heels. Your brains are scrambled. Oh, yeah? You think I'm punchy? You yeah. ought to see that rattler I room with. There is a guy that's really gone. What do you mean? This guy is really gone. Hmm? He flies all over the country just to show the people what a good pilot he is. Mm-hmm. Well, what's wrong with that? He got no airplane. <laughs> I know, I'm his co-pilot. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Cauliflower. Yeah. I can't hire you for a cook, but we need a dishwasher. You... And the job is yours if you want it. Well, what do you pay, boy? What do you pay? Four dollars a day. Oh, now that's reasonable, that's reasonable. Mm, of course, out of that four dollars, I have to deduct three dollars a day for your meals. Oh, that's reasonable, that's reasonable. And then there's another deduction for income tax, Social Security, and medical insurance. That comes to uh, 92 cents a day. Well, that's reasonable. Now, let's see. That leaves you with a net earning of eight cents a day. Yeah. And that's not counting your car fare. Well, that cost me ten cents a day. Uh-huh. Are you sure you want the job, Cauliflower? Sure, I need the money. <laughs> uh, Cauliflower. Yes? On second thought, I don't think I can use you as a dishwasher. That's okay. Think nothing of it. I got to run anyhow. You see, I'm a volunteer fireman, and I hear a third alarm bell ringing. I'll see you later, boy. <laughs> Minute. Come here, look. What do you want, Red? Look, I put a board on that door where the glass was broken. Now we can slam it hard and it won't, won't break. Watch. Clever, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's been a cheap board. <laughs> Say, Skelton. What? Already I think we made a bad investment. Oh, give it a chance, boy. Let's put some life in the place. Put a nickel in that joke box. Jute box, will you? <laughs> I joke for a nickel right now. Well, tell me, uh, what record are you going to select? Well, here's a good Western uh, uh, tune. It's sung by Roy Rogers' horse, Trigger. 
Trigger sings. Yeah, but he's accompanied by Tennessee Ernie and his cow orchestra. <laughs> it features Elsie and her magic milking bucket. <laughs> well, let's not waste it just on us. Oh. Pick out another record. All right, how about this one? Dave Rose and his orchestra playing Paris. Wee oui, wee. insurance company and take out some fire insurance on this joint. Okay, and on your way back, stop at the store and pick up a box of matches and some kerosene. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad we figured out a way to make some money off of this restaurant. I'll see you later, boys. And don't slam that door. Just spent an hour putting a new glass in it. Yeah, look who's coming across the street. It's Junior. She's running right out in front of the traffic. <laughs> Good heavens, I better run out and see if he's all right. Junior, are you hurt? Didn't get a scratch, Cleo. Didn't get a scratch. But did you notice that Cadillac is wearing an off-the-shoulder Chevrolet? <laughs> Junior, you know better than to run out in the street. Never mind that, Fatso. I come over here to talk a little business with you. Shall we step into your place of establishment? 
Come on in, Junior, but don't slam the door because I just put a new glass in it and it might break. Ah, uh, you can't break glass by slamming your door. Oh, yes, you can. I can? Well, thanks for your permission. <laughs> Junior, how could you? Well, you just told me I could. For goodness sake, if you want another demonstration, you have to put glass in that door again. For two cents, I'd give you a whipping. Oh, I should pay you two cents at home. I can get all I want for nothing. <laughs> well, go away now and don't bother me. I'm busy. Now, that's what I have come over to see you about, Pacho. This restaurant has got to go. Why does it have to go? Because I happen to be running a women aid stand across the street, see? Yeah. And uh, I can't stand any competition, see? Mm-hmm. Now, I'll give you 24 hours to clear out, get lost. Yeah. <laughs> what if I don't feel like clearing out? You see this brick I got here in my hand? I'm looking. Now, take a look at your big bay window. Mm-hmm. Not the one you tote, the other one here. <laughs> now, put two and two together, see? Can yeah. you imagine how drafty it's going to be in here? Yes, I can. <laughs> now, Junior, there's no need to threaten me. I'm sure we can get along doing business in the same neighborhood. After oh. all, I don't sell lemonade. Oh. You don't sell food. Oh, yes, I do. I sell food. My stand is world famous for its mud pies. <laughs> now, who would buy mud pies? I'll tell you who. The folks who drink my lemonade. It tastes so lousy that they buy the mud pies to throw at me. <laughs> you should see me at the end of a busy day. I'm loaded with pennies and covered with mud. I is known as the filthy witch. <laughs> well, Junior, to show you there's no hard feelings, I'll give you some sugar for your lemonade. How's that? Well, that's great. Could you also give me a lemon... The one I've been using, I had for four months now, you see. It's getting a little browned and moldy. Mm. I don't know why. I only had it a couple of months. That's what uh-huh. I did. Well, don't look now, but here comes your mother. Oh, the hairbrush kid rides again. <laughs> I was wondering how long it was going to take her to discover that I figured out the combination on me crib. <laughs> oh, hello, Rod. Have you seen Junior? Well, he was here a minute ago. Oh, there he is, peeking out of the garbage disposal. You stool pigeon. Junior, get out of that garbage disposal. Somebody's liable to turn the switch on and you'll clog up the plumbing. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody, somebody loved, loved me around here. Mommy, you sure look pretty today. I gotta oh. go to work on her, you know. <laughs> Now, don't you start that huffity-muguffity stuff with Mommy, me. Mommy, what's your language? Edna's listening. <laughs> oh, now, stop trying to change the subject. Yes. How many times have I told you never to cross the street alone? Well? Rod, what am I going to do with him? Well, I know a good taxidermist where you could have him stuffed cheap. <laughs> oh, Rod, how can you ever think of yes, such a thing? how do you think of things? He wouldn't look good hanging over the fireplace. No. <laughs> Look, if you're both so anxious to stuff me, how about doing it with ice cream and, and cake, huh? How about that? That banana pie there looks delicious. Junior, looks get delicious. your hands off that pie. No, I want it, Mommy. Let go. Let no, go. no, Junior, stop tugging. No, stop that. Well, you folks who have been watching those comedies on television, you know how this is going to end, you know. Junior, let go of that pie. Okay, kiddo. Yeah. Junior! Well, you said let go of it. It's the first time I've ever enjoyed obeying you. Oh! Wait till I get my hands you on never you! never take me alive! He's going out the back door. Don't slam it, Junior! That's funny. It didn't break. <laughs> Let's face it. They don't make glass the way they used to. Now, 
ladies and gentlemen, until next Sunday. This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of that wash day miracle, Tide. And this is Rod O'Connor reminding you that Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap on earth. Cleaner than any other washing product sold throughout America. That's why... You get the cleanest wash in town with T-I-D-E, Tide. again next Sunday for the Red Skelton Show. Red Skelton has heard in this program through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. This is a copyrighted feature. Transcribe. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.